0: you pray with me and for me now? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Let the church say, amen. So in order to understand this passage in Jeremiah today, I'm going to need you to use your imaginations just a little bit. I need you to imagine that you've lived your whole life in Jerusalem, and you've been told what a wonderful and special city Jerusalem is. Jerusalem is the capital of the nation of Israel. It's David's city. It's the city where Solomon built the most glorious temple that anyone has ever seen. It's the city where God promised David that someone of his heirs would always rule over God's people. And right now, you're in the middle of a siege. Right now, the Babylonians have surrounded you. Right now, the Assyrians have already taken off the ten northern tribes. They're never to be seen again, and your country is crumbling. Your temple is in danger of being destroyed and you're so desperate to survive that you're literally piecing apart your houses to fortify the city they're tearing down their own houses they're tearing down the king's houses everything that they can find to build up the city to resist the babylonians they're doing it whatever they can to save the city And Jeremiah, the appointed prophet for the season, is in jail. And this is part of the word that he shares from the Lord. And what's notable about all of this is that as they gear up for battle, as they do everything that they can to try to protect their nation and their monarchy and the city itself, They forget about their champion. And if you're going into battle, the one thing you shouldn't forget is your champion. Jeremiah sits at the the tail end of, of the monarchy over Israel. Two weeks ago, we talked about Hannah. We talked about Hannah's prayer and how Hannah had been barren uh, and how she felt neglected and forgotten by the Lord. And the Lord blessed her with a child, Samuel, that she gave back to the Lord as soon as he was weaned. And she prayed this prayer, this prayer where she said, not by might does man prevail, that the bows of the mighty are broken, that those who, uh, who, who are rich are full of bread, are now hungry, that the poor have been given everything they could ask for, that they've been raised from the dust, that the needy have been raised from the ash heap, that the Lord will shatter his adversaries, that the poor will sit with princes, and finally that God will give strength to his king, a king that Israel doesn't have yet. A king that Samuel will anoint first in Saul and then in David long before he takes the throne. Hannah prays this prayer. She prophesies this, that not by their own might will Israel prevail. And so we have Saul and David and Solomon. We have this promise given to David that and his heir will rule for Forever. We have all the other promises that God has made to Israel, to Abram, that he'll give him a son and a family and a nation and a land, that that nation will become a blessing to all the peoples of the world. To Moses, that that he'll give them a land and that he'll be their God and they'll be his people. And now all of that feels in jeopardy. All of it feels in danger as Jerusalem is under siege, and as it becomes more and more clear that they're not going to win. In fact, in just the next chapters, the current king of Israel gets told, you're going to get taken away in captivity, but don't worry, you're not going to get killed. That's the good news, you're not going to get killed. You're going to lose your throne, and the whole country is going to collapse, but you're not, you're not going to get killed. That's where they are. At the very edge of destruction. And they're so desperate that they've been piecing apart their houses to try to defend themselves. And it's a lost cause. And here is Jeremiah prophesying from jail as he himself is held captive what the Lord is telling him. And I wonder what you expect a prophet in this scenario to say. Do you expect condemnation? He provides that. He tells Israel that they have followed after false gods, that they have listened to messages of false hope that could not save them, and now they're reaping, they're reaping what they have sown. But you might also expect a denial from him that God is going is to save us. It's all going to be okay. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't take apart your homes. Just Stay and God will protect you. He doesn't say that either. And he really nails down over the course of a few chapters the different kinds of false hope that people have bought into. And I wonder, I wonder if for you, maybe not that our whole city is under siege at this moment, but if in the last couple years you have felt like the people in Jerusalem, Like, the whole world is under siege. You've been looking, clamoring for something to save you. And there have been a lot of people willing to offer you a lot of things that might save you. This is true all the time, but especially in the last couple years. Your savings will save you. The economy will save us. The government will save us. Science will save us. Medicine will save us. Guns will save us. Whatever it is, the military will save us. We constantly try to find whatever it is that we can to save ourselves. And I'm not against any of those things, but they won't save us. They can't hold our hope. They are not the rock on which we stand. The rock that cannot be moved. Throughout Jeremiah, the prophet prophet offers comfort. The prophet offers condemnation of the idolatry and the distraction of the Israelites. But this theme, this thing that he says here, he says it just ten chapters before too, and it's, it's just a drumbeat underneath everything else that he has to say of hope. A fundamental answer to the question that all of Israel has to ask is God going to keep his promises? Is God's word good? Is it, is it going to hold throughout time? Or is this the end? Are the promises of God made to Abraham and Moses and King David, can they be trusted? And Jeremiah says the day is coming. The day is coming certainly coming. The day is surely coming. You can bet your life on it that the day is coming that justice and righteousness will prevail. Justice and righteousness will prevail. This passage doesn't just stop where, where Ronald read for us today. I want to I read a few more verses for us. For this says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to make grain offerings, and to make sacrifices for all time. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, thus says the Lord, if any of you could break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night would not come at their appointed time, only then could my covenant with with my servant David be broken." so that he would not have a son to reign on this throne, and my covenant with the ministers and the Levites. Just as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will increase the offspring of my servant David and the Levites who minister to me. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Have you not observed how these people say, the two families, that's David's and Levi's families, that the Lord chose... "...have been rejected by him, and how they hold my people in such contempt that they no longer regard them as a nation. Thus says the Lord, "...only if I had not established my covenant with day and night, and the ordinances of heaven and earth, would I reject the offspring of Jacob and of my servant David, and not choose any of his descendants as rulers over the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." For I will restore their fortunes, and I will have mercy upon them. As everything is crumbling, as everything is falling apart, as they're literally tearing the city down and building it back up to try to secure it, Jeremiah offers this drumbeat of hope. The Lord is going to keep his promises because his promises are not dependent On your faithfulness. He says the only way you can break my covenant, the only way you can stop what I'm going to inevitably do is if you can hold back the day or keep the night from coming. Because I made my covenant with day and night, with heavens and earth, with things that are far beyond your human control. So you haven't kept the law, Jeremiah says. And there's punishment for that, and things are not going to go well, and the exile is going to be terrible. In fact, so terrible that Jeremiah says that when they come back from exile, they'll no longer be singing about the God who led them out of Egypt. They'll be singing about the God who led them out of exile in Babylon. Because that's how disruptive and grief-inducing it is to be pulled from the city that from your youth, your grandparents have told you. That this city will be here forever. This is the Lord's city. This is David's city. That's Solomon's temple. And you can trust it's going to be here. And they were willing to fight for the city. They were willing to fight for the government. But they forgot the Lord. What Jeremiah says is that justice and righteousness are coming. Which if you're on the side of justice and righteousness is good news. Whether you're in Israel or not in Israel. But the Lord is coming to establish the world as it should be. To bring his peace. The king will be there and the priests. An heir of David will be on the throne. A high priest will be there to offer sacrifices. All of the systems of Israel will function As they should. So here they are, they've torn down their houses, but they haven't turned towards the Lord. They've forgotten their champion. And this champion is not just the champion that will help them defeat their enemies, this is the champion that can save them from from themselves, from their own idolatry, from their own sinfulness from their own distractions from the things of God and focusing on other things, convinced those things can save them. If you've made it through the last two years and you're not convinced that we need a Savior, I don't know how to preach to you. I'm tired. I'm tired of petty drama between people i'm tired of political polarization that seems to be pushing us apart i'm tired of need that you can see everywhere especially if you just go a little bit off of your usual paths where you drive i'm tired of my own sin and selfishness I'm tired of all the messages of Chicken Little from uh, political pundits to people who who present themselves as prophets, that the sky is falling and everything is going to be destroyed, whether it's about inflation or climate change or political movements or critical race theory or whatever it is. I'm tired. And I need a Savior. And I wonder if you need a Savior too. You might feel it differently. More acutely because of illness or because of sinfulness that you are struggling with in your life that maybe nobody else knows about. Maybe brokenness in relationships that you've kept pretty quiet, but you're struggling. I don't know what it is about you that needs a Savior, whether it's the movements of the whole world or whatever's happening in your little world in Winona that needs saving. But I wonder if you've been trying to tear down your own house to save everything else and turning to everything but the Lord to save you. Because he's certainly going to come. He is surely going to come. So don't settle for false hope. Do you know that there are people who've literally traveled to Dallas in the last month because they think JFK Jr. is coming back? This is real. People are desperate for hope. They are desperate for it and they will seek it anywhere. And I wonder if, I wonder if you can trust the promises of God. That in the midst of all the promises of false hope that are out there, the Savior is coming. That there's going to be a king who reigns in the place of David. That there's going to be a priest, a high priest who offers sacrifice forever to unite God's people with God once again. In the heavenly temple that never has an end. I wonder what you're protecting. Is it the city? Is it the country? Is it your own home? Is it your family? Is it your job? What is it that you're fighting for? And have you forgotten your champion? Because what the people are going to learn through captivity is that they can't save themselves. Even if they give up their houses, they can't save themselves. But God will restore them. and He's going to do it in the most unexpected way. He's going to come as a weak and needy baby. He's not going to come with military might. In fact, he's going to look horribly defeated, crucified, mocked after being beaten and exhausted and everything else. He's going to look conquered. And God is still going to keep his promises. God is going to go through that to redeem us from the power of sin and death. If that's what it looks like for the Savior to come and save us, maybe we can have faith like Jeremiah. In jail, in captivity, in the middle of a siege, where it's obvious we're not going to win, we can look around and say, God's got this. It might be bad for a little while, but God is going to keep his promises. God is going to keep his word. God is going to to save us. That's what faith looks like. And any other words of despair, of hopelessness, or of false hope won't get us there. But will you join me and the church throughout the world as we wait for our Savior to come? That's the invitation of Advent. And I hope that you'll take time in this season to be more committed to your practices of spiritual discipline than usual, we're gonna have studies. Uh, we're gonna start Wednesday night. You can come on Wednesday nights. You can come on Sunday nights or Wednesday. I'm sorry, I keep saying Wednesday nights, and that's gonna confuse all of you. Wednesday mornings at ten, or Sunday nights at six. Uh, so this Wednesday at ten, this Sunday or next Sunday at six, we'll start an Advent study. We're gonna talk about some of these things. What what we need in Christ to save us. Maybe you need a devotional book. I put recommendations for that in in more notes if you want to talk about that. I would love to talk with you about that this week. But find time to spend in prayer, to read, to reflect on how it is that you need God in this season to save you and what it looks like to wait in His grace for His promises to be fulfilled. Will you pray with me? Lord, give us faith like Jeremiah. Faith that sustains us even though the worst might be coming. Faith that is confident that you will keep your word, not because I'm reliable, not because any of us are reliable, but because you have made a covenant with day and night, with the heavens and the earth, and we don't have the authority to break it. And Lord, as we sense that faithfulness in you, that you will carry through with what you have promised to do, may we find what it is for us to be faithful as we join you in that work. Give us your grace to trust you in really dark times. Give us hope to believe that you'll do what you say, that you'll make all things well, that you'll wipe every tear from every eye, And that we will rejoice with you, united with all of your people, the saints through the ages. Let us cling to that hope in this season. Amen.